0: Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram,
1: See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her.
0: And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram,
1: My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me.
0: Indeed. Your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the Angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Agar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going?
1: I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai.
0: Return to your mistress, and submit yourself under her hand. I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude. Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man, his hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Biela Bielahairoi. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Biret. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram.
2: Saint Augustine, centuries ago, said, Sin comes when we take a perfectly natural desire or longing or ambition and desperately try to fulfill it without God. Not only is it sin, it is a perverse distortion of the image of the Creator in us all these good things and all our security are rightly found only and completely in him what a story a man named abram had been visited by almighty god several times and given promises concerning his descendants that he would be blessed with a son a seed that would bless all the nations of the world that's a messianic promise that from him would come a nation of people who would grow so numerously, could be compared to the numbers of stars and grains of dust in the earth. And then it didn't happen. He was promised a land with borders that probably could be called half the Middle East that would belong to his descendants. And then a famine came. And he left. He wrestled with unbelief, doubt, and fear. At one point, when they fled from the famine to go to Egypt, he made a plan to save his own skin that would have put his wife in the middle of Pharaoh's harem. But God came to her rescue. He was the one that heard these words of promise Sarah, up to this point, there's no recording of her having heard them. But similar to Adam, it was his job to report these words of faith to her. At one point, he believed God, and God declared it to him for righteousness, uh, accounted it to him for righteousness because he believed him. And then in the same chapter, he has doubt and asks God for, for more proof for these promises. And the Lord cuts a blood covenant with him while he is asleep. Sealing the deal that God himself is responsible for these promises. And here we are in chapter 16, where Sarah, Sarai at this time, has this idea, you know, we're getting up in years and still no child. Maybe my servant, my Egyptian maid, where did they get that maid from that trip to Egypt? That maid was payment. I mean, Abram pimped his wife out basically and that maid was one of the payments given to him to bless him and when Pharaoh ran them off he just let them keep everything that they had so this maid was a was was a reminder of that so was sarai struggling with unbelief in abram's devotion and love for her was she putting him to the test ladies don't ever do anything like this to your husbands we are carnal creatures without Jesus, you might be disappointed. And just because a husband and his wife make an agreement to do something doesn't mean it's a righteous thing. As much as it is important to God for husbands and wives to live in unity, it's important that God is included in that unity. And he had promised them, not so much revealed to her, a seed, descendants, a nation, a land. So whether or not she was testing Abram, the fact is their faith was being tested and they thought they would give God a hand. Have you ever done this in your life? You've received a calling, a word from God that doesn't come to pass and it just torments you, and you're tempted tempted to do something about it. I have done it. I started a church once. I felt called my whole life ever since I was a little kid. Before I believed I was saved, I felt called to be a preacher like my daddy and my granddaddy. And I got out of Bible school. I served on staff at a church for years, worked hard, and no doors were open. So I went and made a door and invited folks to come. After a couple years, two and a half years, the Lord did visit me and revealed to me through a friend that this church, which my wife had told me God didn't tell us to start, was like an Ishmael, that I had to let it go. And I wouldn't be here today if I had not done that. So if God has called you, don't let that calling torment you. Let that calling push you toward seeking the face of God. I came to the place where I no longer wanted to dream because I thought, All dreams did was generate fleshly activity, but that's not true. Joseph dreamed, and until the day the word of the Lord came to pass in his life, the word tested him, and was he tempted? Where was his temptation to do do a fast track? Potiphar's wife. Think about it. Little pleasure on the side, and maybe he could replace her husband one day, and he could it would never have happened. He would have become her boy toy, and eventually it would have been his neck. So if you're being tempted today to get ahead of God, don't do it. If you're tempted today to run from God because you're tired of promises that aren't fulfilled, don't do it. Stay faithful to him. Seek his face. Don't stop dreaming, but submit those dreams to him in prayer, and he will do it. If I stop right here, that would be the, a good sermon, but I'm not going to stop just yet got a few more minutes. Welcome to our journey through the first book of the Bible. We're calling it Jesus in Genesis. We're looking for the gospel everywhere in this book. And today we're in chapter 16. Where in the world is this gospel? Well, let's just kind of look at the story. The gospel is received into our lives by faith. That song we sang, amen, amen, amen. In English means so be it, or I agree, or so let it be done, so let it be. But in Hebrew, man means to believe. Believe. So how does faith operate? Our title today could be the testing of faith and the seeing of God. True faith comes through God's promises to us. When God gives a promise, God provides the promise. The promise promotes faith. And the faith generates obedience. And the obedience proves the faith. So faith without works is dead, all right? If you have faith, you say you have faith, but there's no obedience in your life. You really don't have faith. You may have faith in faith, but not faith in the promise. So God provides the promise. The promise promotes the faith, And the faith is proven by the application to God's calling in your life. So we see God's promise to Abram back in chapter 12. He says, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. To your descendants, I will give this land, That's his first visitation that's recorded in the scriptures. Then in chapter 13, verse 14, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the ground, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be Numbered. And we know, everyone in this room, if you have become a believer in Christ through good New Covenant theology, we understand that we are the children of Abraham by faith. And in Revelation, John saw us. We're described as a number that no man could number. When John saw that number that no man could number, I wonder if John saw me. Arise, the Lord said, walk in the land through its length and width for I give it to you. So every he walked was his and yet in real time it wasn't yet, but by faith it was. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So promises promote faith. They provide faith that's in our lives. So he had Plenty of words from God. Real God-given faith is often going to be tested. God gives you a word, it's going to test you. Why? Why? I don't like being tested. But the testing proves what is in us. God sees what's there, so he uses a promise like gasoline to a snake poured in the hole. They do this down here in Sweetwater, Texas, in the rattlesnake hunts. Who's ever participated in that? God's promise comes into our our heart, and out comes these fleshly ways that he cannot use. He's not going to use. He wants to cut those off. He wants to expose them to us. So the frustration we have in this time period between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise is this testing to show our fleshly ways. You know, Abram, if you read the story again, Abram agreed just a little bit too quick with his wife. Oh, young thing, my wife agrees. If your wife, men, ever suggest something to you that appeals to your flesh, don't do it. Because she'll switch horses on you. Sarah di- Sarai did. Suddenly it was all his fault. How does that happen? Well, I didn't mean what happened, you know. What's wrong? Nothing. Don't believe it. Do not believe it. How are you? I'm fine. Don't believe it. I know of a couple that is busted up today. The wife suggested they spice up their love life by going swinging. And it destroyed them. Talk about spicing up. They're single to this day now. Not happy. So we want to live in the word according to God's will. So God-given faith, his promises that provide the faith Often are going to be tested. There was a famine in the land. After this promise in chapter 12, I will make you a great nation. To your descendants, I will give this land. See, that's verse 7. Verse 10, here comes a test. There's a famine in the land. Oh, great. You're going to give me a desert. Thank you so much. So what does he do? He goes down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. And that's where he was tempted to allow his wife to be at risk, to be drafted into Pharaoh's harem. In chapter 15, we saw this last week. The Lord visits him and he says, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless? The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. He's a good guy. We're going to see him later on in the book. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. If I die, This servant guy who was born in my house is going to become my heir. Is this this what it's supposed to be? Is this, should I adopt him and make him my heir? Sarah's temptation was maybe surrogate motherhood is the way to go. And today, here's the promise, tested. Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. She says, Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. So this kind of thing is practiced to today, to this day. And I'm not shooting at surrogate motherhood per se, but oftentimes a mother has a child and she's not ready to give it up. I don't care how much money they gave her. It goes against nature. And this is about Joseph. We'll see later on in the book, he's given these awesome promises by God, and then he goes into the pit. He goes into slavery. He goes into the prison. And Psalm 105 says of him, verse 19, until the time that his word came, God's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tried him. It proved him. It purified him. It humbled him. It got him ready to become a prime minister. If the day he got those dreams without any problems and he became prime minister, man, he'd have become a cruel dictator. But the Lord prepared him through this period of testing. So he's working behind the scenes. Do not let go of your calling. Pursue it with all your heart. Report for duty and serve where you can, and you watch what God will do. We obtain these promises that are tested through faith and patience. Hebrews 6, verse 11 says, We desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, that's Abram, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. That's what happened in the last chapter, saying, surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. At this point, it had been 10 years after that first visitation. There was going to be 13 more years of waiting. Patience. If you're patient, you will obtain the promise. Oh, I don't like patience. Oh, don't pray for patience. You don't have to pray for patience. Tribulation will work it. You pray for endurance, pray for strength, and pray for the Lord to remind you of his promise and stay faithful to him. Without faith... Hebrews eleven six. 6, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligence implies a careful focus. It implies patience, not stopping, not quitting. Maybe years ago in your younger days, you received a calling from God and you grew impatient You got hurt, you got wounded, and you quit. Get back up. You're not too old for the Lord to use you. There's a word for you today. James 1, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's what we need. Wisdom helps us. Abram and Sarai did not walk in wisdom that, that very day. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man think he will receive anything From the Lord. So, hold on to your promise. Let the faith that that promise generates provide courage and patience for you. And do what you know to do, but don't get ahead of God. If you do, you use it for his glory, but it can be a painful experience. And the fruit of this experience in Genesis 16 generated pain that I think, is in the earth to this day. For the descendants of Ishmael are the Arabic nations. At least they claim to be his descendants. God is still faithful when we are not faithful. This is awesome. Oh, I've blown it now. It's too late for me. Some preacher told me that. Don't believe it. It's not biblical. In chapter 16, verse 3, here's the thing that happened. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. they have been waiting 10 years. So he went into Hagar, a little too eagerly, I think, and she conceived. God is pro-life. If you sow seed, there's going to be a harvest. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Oh, Sarai did not see this coming. Then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. She switched gears on him. I gave my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. She probably rubbed her belly. Oh, I'm having a baby. How's your belly doing? The Lord judged between you and me. She threw it all at his feet. And what did he do? He wimped out. Well, she's your maid, you know. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. He cannot deny himself, 2 Timothy 2.13. God is faithful. And the key to walking in his will is to repent and pursue him again wholeheartedly, having learned from either running from his calling or getting ahead of it. Learn your lessons And move forward. God's getting ready. He doesn't go into shock when we mess up. God, in his foreknowledge, knew this was going to happen. He was going to use it for his good. The whole eyes of the world are on the Middle East based on this mistake. And the world is going to see the hand of God at work. You watch. In spite of our messes, God sees us and our need. We're talking about the testing of faith and the seeing of God. God sees us in our need, and Hagar, in her despair, got a revelation of God that Abram and Sarai needed. God saw them waiting on the promise and it not happening, but somehow they thought he didn't. He he didn't understand. Now, the angel of the Lord found her. Hagar gets run off by Sarai. Sarai becomes harsh with her, so she flees, Found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. Now, if you look at a map, she's heading towards Egypt. She's heading back home. And the angel of the Lord said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, he identifies her. Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? He knew who she was. He knew what was going on, but she needed to confess it, to speak the truth. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. She gets this incredible blessing. You're going to be the mother of a huge nation. And the whole world is going to have to deal with them. The angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child, you shall bear a son you shall call his name Ishmael, which means God hears. You have God's attention because the Lord has heard your affliction. So Ishmael is a good name. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. You're not going to wipe them out. They're going to annoy the whole earth at times. Why? They're blessed. (laughs) Testimony of God's grace. You sow a seed, God is not going to be mocked. There is going to be a harvest. Verse 13, she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, El Roy, you are the God who sees. For she said, have I also seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Barad. So geographically you can find this place supposedly. El Roy, one of the compound names of God, revealed himself to someone that felt rejected, alone, used, and abused. God Reveal himself to her. I see your condition. But you have to go back. What does that have to do with the gospel? Well, the angel of the Lord, some believe, was a theophany, a representative of God in angelic form. Some people believe a Christophany, a representation of Jesus Christ in angelic form. I just go with what the scripture says, the angel of Yahweh, Yehovah's angel, His messenger, who's there to communicate the heart of God, so he can speak as God's representative in the first person. He saw her need. And his approach to her, I see paralleling Jesus' approach to humanity. He declares, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So here's this angel communicating the heart of God for this person who was physically thirsty, no doubt spiritually thirsty, mourning, saddened feeling very poor in spirit, communicating God's love and compassion for her. Yet he gives her the bad news that you have to go back. You have to walk out this. You can't be having babies in the wilderness by yourself. Go back home. Now, 13 years later, here she is on the road again, but that's another part of the story. So while Jesus speaks these blessings, then he gives us the bad news that we can't live our self-centered ways. We've got to not resist evil people. If someone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If someone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Maybe you've loaned something to somebody that has ripped you off and you feel like a jerk or you feel like a loser. No, you're just communicating the heart of God. You're doing what God calls you to. You'll be blessed. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward is that to you? Do not even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what? you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. What is this call to perfection? It's to be like our Father, to show kindness to people that are not worthy. Go back and serve Sarai, who set you up. Go back and serve Abram, who sinned against God's plan and got you pregnant. Go back. You're going to be blessed. That same heart of God is communicated by Jesus. You're blessed when you're poor in spirit. You're blessed when you mourn. You're blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. But do good to those who do harm to you. Pray for those who curse you and spitefully use you. If they compel you to walk with them a mile, walk with them two miles. What was that? Well, in that day and time before you know, machinery, foot soldiers in the Roman army had to carry all their gear, right? Their armor, their backpacks, their provisions, their goods, their weapons. And they had the authority to draft people right off the street. Can you imagine going to the store to get some bread for your wife and you come home an hour late and the wife says, what happened? Well, I got drafted by a soldier, had to carry his pack for him a mile Well, it's just a mile. Why are you so late? Well, when you walk away a mile, duh, you got to walk back a mile, right? Jesus said, if that happens, give them two miles, which creates a four-mile journey, right? I think if you haven't got the point of the sermon, I'm going to stop anyway because it's not going to work. But I'm going to try one more time, okay? The angel told her she had to go back and serve Sarai. She had to go back and, and fulfill her duties, to Abram's household, but she was going to be blessed. Jesus, who's not an angel, he's the son of almighty God, came and communicated the love of God to us, died for us on the cross and delivered good news to us, which had information in it that you may consider to be bad news. The good news is you're blessed when you mourn, you're blessed when you're poor in spirit, you're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness sake, you're blessed when you hunger and thirst after righteousness, but you must be kind to those that are not worthy. You must serve those beyond what they ask you to. You must give to those who ask to borrow from you. You're going to be blessed in the long run. That's the sermon. Let's pray. You guys going to sing the blessing song again? Yeah. Can we do it? All right. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the gospel that we see, the pictures of Jesus we see from these parallels in this incredible book, probably the book that's read more than any other book in the Bible, because everyone that's ever tried to read the Bible has at least read the first book before they quit. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Give us a hunger for your word. Help us to see your blessings in our life that come to us through your promises are for us. They're not against us. And that the time period of waiting for the fulfillment of those promises are for us. They're not against us. The people that we see are in God's way are actually being used by God to make us more like his son. Lord, we pray that we would receive your blessings in every way and your commissions to serve you when it's easy and especially serve you when it's hard.
1: Upon you, be gracious to you, Lord.
2: Hagar, he sees you. Abram, he sees you. Sarai, he sees you. Yeah, he sees the mess you've made. He sees what you've done. He sees what's been done to you. And he sees his promise. And I think there's some people in this room that have been told you have messed up and been disqualified for the call of God on your life. Or someone else messed up. And now you are disqualified for God's call on your life. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.